The following program is intended to provide general information only, and its host, Tim Decker, recommends that you always seek competent professional guidance for financial, legal, and tax advice, as everyone's specific needs are unique. WHP Talk Radio 580 now presents Financial Freedom with Tim Decker from ISI Financial Group. A full hour of sleep well at night financial guidance from an experienced financial advisor. Talking about This is your financial show, Central PA. Financial Freedom on WHP Talk Radio 580. Well, good morning, everyone. Tim Decker here. Thank you for joining us here on Financial Freedom on this Saturday morning. We will be together for the next hour. Time goes fast. So if you have anything that you'd like to discuss with me, ask of me, let me uh, give you the phone numbers right now as well as an email address if you wish to or if you prefer to just email me live you can reach me here by dialing 717-540-0580 that's 717-540-0580 or toll free 800-724-5801 that's 800-724-5801 or toll free i'm sorry or you can email me at ffradio at comcast.net. That's FF as in financial freedom, ffradio at comcast.net. And we do take your calls and email in the order in which I receive them. So if you have something that you want to be sure we discuss, I strongly suggest that you call in or email me sooner rather than later because inevitably we run out of time. So Anyway, let's talk about several things this morning that um, I've been thinking about as I've been preparing for the show that I wanted to share with you. One of the things has to do with something referred to as the behavior gap. What is the behavior gap? Well, what the behavior gap is is it ties into and it reflects on something that I have shared with you on numerous occasions, and I will share it with you again very briefly, and that is that successful investing is about 1% intellectual and about 99% temperamental and behavioral. Let me say that again. Successful investing is only about 1% intellectual, but about 99% of successful investing is related to your temperament and how you behave. And the data consistently bears this out. What the behavior gap is, is when you look at the returns of investments, when you look at the returns of different mutual funds, as an example, you can go into databases like Morningstar or Lipper. Uh, There's a company that comes out with a report every year by the name of Dalbar. And all of these companies track and show 
based upon cash flows in and cash flows out into different mutual funds, not only what the returns of the mutual fund investments themselves are, but what the investor returns are based upon when investors are buying, when they're adding, but also when they're selling and taking money out. And what we consistently see is there is a gap between the returns of the investments and the actual returns of the investors. Now, how, how is it that that can be? Well, it's very simple. The key word here is behavior. The gap between the investment returns and the investor returns is that behavior gap. Some studies such as Dalbar show these gaps in return as high as three, four, even 5% a year. Morningstar's returns, the, uh, the difference between the investor returns and the investment returns I believe theirs uh, shows that that can be as much as one and a half to two percent a year. And the reason for this is very simple. It goes back to what I just started with when I said successful investing is only one percent intellectual, but successful investing is 99 percent predicated upon investor behavior and temperament and this is one of the results of investors and consumers chasing performance you see as we talked about a little bit last week the most common way that investors and even most most financial professionals will choose investments has to do with past performance. Even though behavioral finance has taught us this is what's called a recency bias. We have, we are wired as human beings to be tempted to believe that what has recently been taking place will continue to extrapolate in the future. And as I've tried to educate you over the years here, past performance is actually one of the worst ways in choosing how you invest. And that's why when you look at the behavior gap, the difference between the investor returns and the investment vehicle itself returns, why the investors lag their own investments is because when things are going up or something has performed well, you as an investor tend to want to buy those investments that have been performing well. And the better they perform, the more you want to buy but then the opposite's also true. When they underperform or during times of temporary declines, what do you think most 
investors left to their own accord actually do? They, they sell. So you have a consistent behavior here of chasing what has been doing well and buying more and more as the price becomes higher and higher. And then when prices go down and you get your statements and you see negative numbers on there, eventually you say, I can't take it anymore, and you start selling. And you repeat this over and over again, and thus you end up with poor investment returns. And it all stems from doing something which is the opposite that you know in your head you should not do. What is the number one rule of investing 101? Everybody knows it. You know it. It's sell high and buy low. Everybody knows it. Everybody knows it, but very few are able to consistently do it. In fact, most investors do the opposite. So the next time that you are considering what you're going to invest in or what investments you're going to add, add more money to, my suggestion is very simple. If indeed, and uh, the word here that I want to emphasize is if, if indeed you do have a properly diversified, low-cost portfolio that has been specifically built around your personal objectives, goals, your tolerance for dealing with fluctuation and risk, if indeed you have that, then when you look at adding to your investments or withdrawing from your investments, what should drive that decision has nothing to do with what has been performing well. It should simply be based upon what is your target allocations for the different types of investments that you own. And when you add to your investments, add to those that are underweight what your target is. And when you go to make withdrawals, look to sell from those that are overweight. This process in and of itself, which is called dynamic rebalancing, will help you avoid buying high and selling low, which is the opposite of what you should be doing. And it is a non-emotional way if you utilize dynamic rebalancing to help protect you from your own emotions and not become a performance chaser. Okay, we're going to go to the first break. When we come back, we'll pick right back up. We'd love to hear from you. You have something you'd like to ask, something you'd like to share. Don't be shy. 717 540 0580. That's 717 540 0580 or toll free 800 724 5801 or shoot me an email live here at ffradio at comcast.net. I'm Tim Decker and this is Financial Freedom. Financial Show Central PA, Financial Freedom, on 
WHP Talk Radio 580. Welcome back. Stephen Decker here with you talking any and all things financial. If it's important to you, I promise I will make it important to me. We are the show here on WHP where we provide advice coming from a 100% fee-only perspective. We are the only show here on WHP that comes from the perspective of 100% fee-only advice. It's something that I'm very proud of. We've been on the air here in central Pennsylvania uh, for over 25 years, and I, again, am so thankful for having had the opportunity to have met many of you over the years, and it's an honor and it's something that I take very ser- serious as I do my very best to continue to encourage you to do the right things as a consumer, as a investor, and I also do my best to help educate you, to warn you about all of the, the landmines that are all around you in the world of finance. I mean, let's just, let's just be straight here. There are many, many out there that are very slick. There are many financial advisors and financial advisory firms that can sound so very sincere. But what I urge you to do is do not ever let your emotions, your sense of feeling like you can trust someone because of the way they sound, because of the things that they are saying to you to appeal to your emotions. Don't ever, ever let that be the final the final filter for who you work with and whose advice you take. Instead, make sure that what you're being told and what you're being shown that there is objective evidence to support it. I'm going to share with you an example that just happened this week. I met with uh, a woman. She's in her mid-70s. And clients of ours actually brought her in. It's their mother. And they just wanted me to take a look at some some investments that she'd been sold over the years uh, and help explain what they are, the ins and outs, the pros and cons of them. So we met, um, actually I think it was yesterday or Thursday. Anyway, I said, absolutely, I'll be more than happy to. Well... She had been sold four or five different annuities. Did not understand how they worked. Did not have it explained to her what the expenses were. Did not have it explained to her in a couple of these that were fixed indexed annuities where they have caps and they have participation rates that within the policy itself and the contract, it spells out that subject to the insurance company's decision annually, 
those can be changed. And she was not fully aware of all of the surrender penalties that had her locked up in these things. So when I explained to her and showed her in the policy itself, again, I always tell people, don't take my word or anybody else's word for it. Look for what is in writing. Read the fine print. And when I explained to her and showed her in her own policies, the expenses in some of these annuities were in excess of 3 to 3.5% three annually. She was, she, she was very upset. And when I showed her in the fixed index annuities that basically she's at the mercy of whatever the insurance company wants to pay her and she's going to be locked in for like 10 years due to surrender penalties. And the insurance companies on an annual basis can change the cap of what they're going to pay her, can change the participation rate of what they can pay her. She had no idea about this. And she had four, four or five of these different annuities. Some of them were three, four years old. Uh, one of them was just fairly recent. And as I guessed, um, it had been rolled over from an annuity that she had earlier. So my guess is, only because I see it all the time, the surrender penalty was probably up on the older annuity. So there was an opportunity here to roll her into another annuity where the surrender charges and penalties would start all over for another seven, eight, nine, ten years. Oh, but, but by the way, the person selling her this annuity was able to get all brand new commissions. And by the way, if you ever want to know what the commissions on these annuities are, um, they can range anywhere from six. I've seen them as high as 10 to 12 percent right up front. But a good way to kind of get a general, this isn't always going to be exact, but this will give you a general idea, is when you look at an annuity policy, a contract, find the page that outlines what the surrender charges are, the surrender period. And basically how it works is this. The longer the surrender period, if it's seven years, six years, often the commissions on those types of products are going to be roughly 6%. If it has a longer surrender penalty, say of eight years, nine years, or 10 years, most often those annuities are going to pay commissions as high as 7 or 8%. And if you see an annuity policy where the surrender periods go from 10, 12 to 15 years, which I've seen, those are the ones that the salesperson is frothing at the mouth because those are going to often pay commissions as high as 10%. Now, did you know that there are annuities that have no surrender penalties? Do you know that there are annuities that have 
mortality and expense ratios, which are significantly less. Often expenses of like 45 basis points, less than a half a percent, versus the high commission broker sold, financial advisor sold, products that have uh, that have expenses as high as three to three and a half percent a year that they take for themselves before anything is credited to your account we use no load low-cost annuities I usually don't recommend them as the product of choice however there are many times that clients We'll come in and meet with us. We agree to bring them under our umbrella for wealth management. And if in, in cases where they have been sold one of these expensive annuities in the past, and if there's going to be a significant taxable gain, if it's a non-qualified annuity, depending upon their tax situation, depending upon their financial plan, we may need to keep it underneath the umbrella of an annuity. Otherwise, it can trigger some significant taxes, which, by the way, eventually those taxes are going to be paid. And then the bad news is they're going to be paid as ordinary income, not capital gains. The future earnings on annuities are going to be taxed based upon your ordinary income tax rate, which as we know, for the vast majority of individuals out there, ordinary income rates are much higher than capital gains rates. But anyway, where we will use annuities at times is to get clients out of these high, expensive, complicated annuities and do what's called a 1035 exchange, which simply means moving it from a high commission, high expense, high surrender penalty annuity, and have it exchanged over into a low cost, no load, no surrender penalty annuity. Companies like Vanguard have these, Fidelity has these. We uh, have access to some uh, that uh, we're also able to use institutional uh, low-priced funds as well. But, but the point is, make sure if you haven't done so, if you own any annuity policies, look in there and see what your surrender penalties are and see if you can also total up all your expenses. You should know that. Okay, let's go to the news. When we come back, we'll pick right back up. Don't go anywhere. 40. Providing you with the information and answers to gain your financial independence. This is Financial Freedom on WHP 580. Once again, here's Tim Decker. All right, welcome back. Second half of Financial Freedom. Financial Freedom, uh, as I define it, is when you get to the point in your financial life that you have things in such good order, you have a goal driven financial plan you have a portfolio that is a servant of that plan and you have a process in place that unemotionally and with a 
discipline is monitoring your assets, your portfolio, and is making changes, most often simply rebalancing if you own the right investments in the first place, but you have that process in place that it's automatically being done where you no longer have to worry about anything from a financial perspective because you have a evidence-based and evidence-driven process that not only monitors but adjusts your portfolio as needed always subject to your personal financial plan which should be in writing you also have your estate plan in order you have insurances that you need but also are not paying for any insurances that you don't need you have your taxes aligned with your investments your investments aligned with your taxes so that you're being smart from a tax perspective. And you have all of these things in order, always being driven by your financial plan, which ultimately your plan comes from your personal goals. When you have all of these things in order, in a very organized fashion, and you know, based upon your plan, that you are at a point that you now have enough money that regardless of what happens to markets, regardless of what happens with events in Washington, whatever, you know, regardless of what happens overseas, that your portfolio has been built in such a way that it is ready to, to handle the shock from any events that might come your way that is truly financial freedom when you no longer have to worry about your finances and you are able to now focus on the things that are really really important which is spending time with your family your friends while you still have your health because as I tell our clients all the time when you don't have your health and you don't have much time, this money thing is not all that it's cracked up to be. Money is simply a tool. It is a means. But it should be used to allow you to spend time with things that you think are very, very important. That can be charitable giving that can be charitable involvement that can be special experiences and trips with your family whatever it is but that's ultimately what financial freedom is when you're free from having to worry about everything from a financial perspective it frees you up to focus on things that are much more important okay i just want to follow up uh, a little bit more to what i was sharing with you before the break about the appointment I had with uh, a client's mother this past week. As I said, um, she had been sold four or five annuities, uh, really had no idea of all of the inner workings of these, but of course was told all of the great things about them, the guarantees and you get to participate in the market when it's going up. 
But don't worry, when the market goes down, your principal will not go down. I mean, again, if you hear the infomercials that are out there on television shows, on radio programs where you have pre-recorded shows, where you have sales people lobbying softballs back and forth to these financial sales people in an effort to get you to call our office, call our office, call our office after hours, call our office on Monday, here's the phone number, call our office. I mean, you, you, you hear them talking about these great products that are going to make you feel so good. You're not going to have to worry about anything. You get to make money when the market's going up, but we're going to make sure that you don't lose anything when the market's going down. So she had heard that, that pitch without understanding all of the limitations that come with that feel-good experience. Well, the bad news, or I'm sorry, it gets even worse where do you think she met this financial sales person? Well, remember in the past we've talked about a topic called affinity, affinity fraud, A-F-F-I-N-I-T-Y, affinity fraud. Look, look that up when you have a chance. But affinity fraud and something that the Securities Exchange Commission has sent out investor alerts on several times in the past, affinity fraud is when people are taken advantage of by people that they automatically trust. Often this happens in clubs. Often it happens in churches, people that you go to church with, people you've known for years and years and years. You can be part of the same organization. You can be working on a nonprofit together. But t typically what happens is you let your guard down because it's somebody that you automatically trust. You automatically do. I mean, if, if it's somebody that you've known since your childhood years or it's your neighbor that you've known for years or if you've been involved with this individual at church and this person is very active in the church and is very well respected, I mean, how, how can you not trust them? Well, she shared with me that this was somebody that was a friend of hers in her church. And I have seen this so many times, not just in church, but again, in any type of organization where you automatically let your guard down and you take their advice because you automatically assume that you can, you can trust them. And you automatically assume that they would not do anything but put your best interest first. Well, that's what happened here. She was disappointed. She was uh, upset. 
And the moral of the story here is there's nothing wrong with doing business with people that you know and that you like, but don't let that tempt you to not do your due diligence and before you agree to do business with them, make sure and do your research, make sure and read the fine print, make sure you know how they're compensated and make sure you get all of that information in writing in a format that you can understand and you can hold them accountable. Okay, let's take our last break. When we come back, we'll pick right back up. If you have anything you'd like to discuss or ask, you can reach me here, 717-540-0580, 717-540-0580, or 800-724-5801, or you can shoot me an email, ffradio at comcast.net. And there's something to be said when Mr. Ronald Reagan said, trust, trust is okay, but verify. We'll be right back. If you have a question about your finances or your financial future, give us a call right now at 540-0580 or toll free at 1-800-724-5801. This is Financial Freedom with Tim Decker on WHP 580. Welcome back. You know, one of the most dangerous things that I have seen over my 30 plus years in the world of finance and something that I would caution you to be very careful about is in the business world, it's not just the financial services world, but in the business world in general, having been raised by a, uh, by a father and a mother um, in a small town, and my father having been a pastor in a small town eventually when we had moved to o Oklahoma, having gone to Bible college myself, I was very much exposed to many different things in the world of religion. And something that I witnessed on numerous occasions is people, business people, using their faith, using their religion as a marketing tool. And I have seen growing up as well as in the financial services business myself, having met with thousands of individuals and reviewing their situations and uh, them wanting to get a second opinion on what they have, I have seen many instances in which people have been taken advantage of simply because they let their guard down because the person they were doing business with was of their same faith. And they just can't believe that, that, that they would not always put their best interest first. And it's not just in the financial services industry. It's any 
industry. It can be a contractor. It can be a painter. It can be an electrician. It can be, uh, you know, who you choose to uh, have, uh, service your automobile. It, it, it's irrelevant. All things equal, if you want to work with somebody of your same faith, I, I get that. I do too. But that should not be the only reason that you choose to work with somebody. It can be one of the reasons. But if they use that as a marketing ploy, if you hear anyone bring up the subject of their faith and start using, as an example, Bible verses as a reason to support what they're suggesting that you do, I warn you, be careful. Be very, very careful. And at the very least, always, always, always make sure that you look at the evidence supporting what it is they are, are recommending. As I said, make sure and get in writing the same thing that you would expect and require of anyone, whether they're of your same faith or they're not, and don't let your guard down and start making exceptions. But I have seen it, I've witnessed it so many times that certain business people, often in the world of finance, financial advisors, will market in their church, they will market using their faith, their religion, and many times, not always, but many times, people will let their guard down and they get involved in something, and then after the fact, they kick themselves for knowing better. So I just I just wanted to share that with you. Um, you know, we've had experiences where people will call in our office or I meet with individuals, and the first thing they'll ask me is, are you a Christian? And my, my answer is, I am. However, you should only determine that yourself based upon the way that we conduct our business. Because anybody can represent anything. Anybody can say they are of a certain faith. You can represent that. I can represent it. But if it's not borne out in the actual way that somebody does business, and it's not demonstrated that they will put your best interest first at all times, then what they say doesn't always match up with what they do. So again, I just wanted to share that w with you. All things equal, of course we all would like to do business with those that are of our same faith, beliefs, values. But just because somebody represents that they have the same values, W-H-P.